I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I was a student in Montana a few years back and went camping with some newfound friends up in Highlight. Later that night, we're all chilling by the van when we hear a howl across the water. It sounded almost human, but we were unsure. It was the weekend and there were a bunch of other college kids out and about in more popular spots like where the sound was coming from. We had also heard howling from a party a few campsites up earlier that night. Thinking it's probably human, my drunken dumbass howls back. I promptly get a yippy sort of howl, and now my groups of friends and I are, are like all you're talking to a coyote from across the lake. Another friend thinks it's still a party from earlier. 
So we grab the binoculars and I begrudgingly muster up a howl one more time. That's when I get loudest, most beautiful howl I've ever heard thrown back at me. Everyone around the water goes quiet. Even the camp down the road can't be heard. After maybe a minute of silence, a chorus of howls starts going off across the water. It's non-stop, loud and creepy, echoing through the night. One girl is justifiably scared and asks me to make it stop. We argue back and forth, and finally the group decides I should howl back and see if they quit. I really don't want to. I vote Qui stay quiet, stay near the van, and keep the campfire going. This other guy in the group tries howling back for me despite me telling him not to. It makes no difference. At this point I want to lock myself in the van. The driver tells me he'll unlock the car if I just howl back one more time. So I take a deep breath and I howl. The howling stops for maybe a second, then it goes off again. At first it sounds like they were moving away from us. Until the sounds got louder and we realized they were going around the water and probably towards us. By this point I had already moved my ship and everyone's fluid back into the van and was pissed. I wanted to go. No one else did. Eventually everyone got spooked by the incoming howls and one by one they moved their sleeping bags into the van with me. Eventually they got pretty close. We were listening to them for about 15 minutes and then they stopped. At that point, we could tell they were most definitely on our side of the lake, somewhere in the woods. A guy we were with swears he saw a wolf, but I don't know. I didn't see shit, and we didn't hear anything for the rest of the night. I had been a park ranger for over two decades, patrolling the vast wilderness of the national park. I'd seen my fair share of strange things in the woods, but nothing could have prepared me for what was about to happen. It all started a few weeks ago on a particularly dark and stormy night. I was out on my regular patrol checking on the various campsites and trails when I heard something in the distance. At first it sounded like nothing more than the wind whistling through the trees, but as I got closer I realized that it was something else entirely. The sound was like a whisper, barely audible at first, but growing louder as I approached. I strained to hear what was being said, but it was just gibberish, a jumble of words that made no sense. Still, the hair on the back of my neck stood on end, and I quickened my pace, eager to get out of the darkness and back into the light. That should have been the end of it, a harmless and fleeting encounter with the unknown. But it wasn't. In the days that followed, I began to experience more and more strange phenomena. I saw things moving in the corner of my eye, heard footsteps where there was no one to be seen, and even caught glimpses of a shadowy figure darting through the trees. At first, I tried to rationalize it all away, blaming it on stress or fatigue. But as the incidents became more frequent and more terrifying, I began to suspect that something else was at play something beyond my understanding or control. Then one night it happened. I was out on patrol walking through a particularly dense and overgrown section of the park when I felt a sudden intense pain in my side. I doubled over, gasping for breath and realized that something had attacked me. But what? I looked around wildly, but there was nothing there, nothing but the trees and the darkness. I stumbled forward, trying to get away, but my legs gave out and I fell to the ground. 
everything went black. When I woke up, I was alone in the woods with no memory of what had happened. My side was throbbing with pain, but there was no sign of any wound or injury. For a moment I wondered if it had all been some sort of nightmare, a hallucination brought on by stress and exhaustion. But then I saw the footprints deep and jagged in the dirt. They were like no animal tracks I had ever seen before, too big and too strange to belong to any creature of this world. And that's when I knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that I was being hunted by something beyond my understanding. I tried to leave the park to get as far away from that place as possible, but it was no use. The creature was always there, lurking in the shadows, waiting for its chance to strike. I knew that my time was running out, that I was living on borrowed time. And then, one day, it happened. The creature attacked me again, this time with a ferocity and intensity that I had never seen before. I fought back with all my strength, but it was no use. In the end, I was overwhelmed and I fell to the ground, my body battered and broken. This happened to me when I was 10 or 11. I'm just about to turn 20 now, but I'll never forget what happened that day. I was at my grandparents' house who were watching me for the day. They live out in a mixture of farmland and woods in rural Wisconsin. Their yard is mostly surrounded by farmland, but to the right side of the yard is a couple acres of woods and a swamp. It was a really hot, muggy morning in July. I was standing out on the deck shooting at some cans with my BB gun. All of a sudden, I got the sense something was wrong. It felt like I was being watched. I started scanning the tree line and down at the edge of the trees, about 60 yards away, by the swamp woods was this thing, standing, that I can only describe as a dogman. It was about seven feet tall, covered with shaggy gray hair, had the classic dogman face, long snout, pointed ears on top of head, yellow eyes, and it was very muscular. It was standing on two legs, but it appeared to be sort of leaning up against a tree. We locked eyes, and while it was probably only ten seconds, it felt like hours. It sounds silly, but I felt the thing had a sinister grin on its face. It was extremely intimidating. I know that had that thing wanted to kill me, it easily could have done that. I could relive this encounter. At my age now, with a shotgun instead of a bullet ball gun, and I'd still be just as terrified as I was then. It definitely had a very negative and sinister vibe to it. After locking eyes with the thing, it just bolted off on two legs through some of the swamp and emerged farther down the tree line, and then ran off into the forest. At first, I thought it might have been one of my older cousins playing a joke on me who lived nearby, but then I realized there was no way they could be wearing a suit, be seven feet tall, and clear the swamp as fast as that thing did. I wasn't going to tell Grandma and Grandpa. I saw a werewolf down by the swamp. They'd never believe me. So I just kept my mouth shut and tried to carry on with my day there. Well, later that afternoon, I was talking to my aunt, and she brought up the fact that she had heard strange noises the night before. When I asked what they sounded like, she said it was a lot of snarling and growling, and it kind of sounded like an animal being attacked. Hello, I've been taking walks on the park 20 kilometers away from my home. 
It's surrounded by mountains and a very wide walking trail is in the middle with also a road for cars. I take my runs there sometimes and a few weeks ago I saw a bald man with a very interesting face. Blue drawn eyes around 55, 60 years old. Black coat and a very correct walk like he's some aristocrat or something. He seemed very interesting, dude, but I paid no more attention and forgot it. One week later, I took a walk with my girlfriend, and I see this man coming in our path. We cross paths, and he says, good afternoon. I say it back and continue. My girlfriend also stated that he looks creepy, and I told her he's probably just being polite. Note in my country, no one says hello without knowing you, so it was kind of odd. Now we've been joking about what if this guy turns out to be something non-human and all that but I really didn't think much of it. This week I took a walk at night with my girlfriend and we were walking besides the main trail in a higher trail like five meters away and uh, I see him walking down an opposite path and out of now here he's staring at me and starts coming up. I tell my girl look it's that guy and she freaks out. I kind of do too. We continue walking and we turn our back but he hasn't climbed. We go down to the main trail and see he's still walking his way, and we continue our walk, then go home. Just the other night, I had a thought about that guy climbing his way up to us in the walking park, and it turned to reality. Now, I don't expect people to know what exactly is the thing with this guy, but just wanted to talk about it. Maybe we're judging him and nothing is wrong with him, but his face is just so odd, and his energy too. It's not that I felt threatened by it, but just creep. It was a very hot summer night. I was coming back from Virginia Beach, and I and my girlfriend at the time were together by the time I got to Mississippi. I had left Virginia early in the morning in the car. By the time I got to Mississippi, Highway 59, it was already close to midnight or maybe one in the morning. Highway 59 in eastern Mississippi is very, very lonely. You just have Highway 59 with the traffic going that way and the traffic coming this way and you've got tall trees on both sides and nothing else. Maybe you might have a little rest area or a little mom and pop gas station every 15 or 20 miles. But in between there is nothing. As I drove that night I was tired and I was on the road from the morning since the state of Virginia. My girlfriend was already asleep and my little boy was in the back seat. Because I'm a night person, I didn't have a problem staying awake. As I drove down that highway on the side, I saw a man. A man walking, walking kind of fast, looking down. Very tall, loping man that I thought was wearing a coat. I thought, what in the hell is he doing here? First of all, why in the hell is he wearing a damn coat on this hot Mississippi night? I said, honey, I saw a man walking all alone. I need to help him, she said. Are you crazy? I said, no, I'm not going to offer him a ride. I'm going to give him some money so that way, as soon as he gets to the next town, he can get a room or buy himself a nice hot meal or whatever. So I put the car in reverse to make sure that I wouldn't get ahead. I was already about 2,000 feet ahead of him. But I was going in reverse, and he was closer to the woods. He was actually on the shoulder of the highway. I stopped the car, and he stops. He looks at me, and I notice a massive man. 
and my eyes are trying to adjust to the darkness of the night, and I said, Sir, sir, I would like to offer you some money, sir, so that way you could rent a room in the next town. He looks at me, and I realized I was not looking at a man. He made a loud, loud screeching sound that even today my ears hurt, and then he ran into the woods. I was so horrified. I got in that car, and I said, Honey, I didn't say anything else. I put the car in first gear, and I drove 85 miles an hour, and my girlfriend was like, What happened? What happened, honey? What did he do to you? I said, Honey, it wasn't a man. It was Sasquatch. I just had an encounter with Bigfoot. Later on, I realized that there have been stories dating back to the 1800s and 1700s about the Mississippi Monkey Man. Stories passed on by the slave Indians, people from back then, about the Mississippi Monkey Man. I was stationed in the Panhandle near Pensacola. I was in charge of a team of about ten guys taking part in an exercise. We were playing the bad guys for the exercise, and on that night our job was just maneuvering mostly walking and driving around pretend villages. Anyways, we grabbed our gear for the night and went out to an informal staging area to wait around for us to get called into the village. Being a group of young military guys with nothing to do, we started messing around, driving in circles and up and down the nearby dirt trails in our trucks, talking crap on the radios, looking around with our night vision goggle, etc. Because why not? We spotted sport utility vehicle parked down one trail, which was a bit odd since we were on the military range at the time, but not crazy since we weren't near any of the sensitive or dangerous parts. I drive up next to the sport utility vehicle slowly, and the guy sitting shotgun with night vision goggle says there's some weird person sitting in it. He hands me the night vision goggles, and I look over, and holy hell, that person was terrifying. They were in the back on the driver's side. Super tight skin, crazy sunken eyes, thin lanky hair. At first... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style just staring straight ahead, but they suddenly turned to look at us, and I booked it out of there. I practically threw the night vision goggles at the guy next to me. I don't know why, but I felt one of the deepest feelings of fear I'd ever had. 
Literally, the only times that were worse were times where I genuinely thought I was about to die. We drive back to where the other guys were and tell them about it. Of course, they think we're messing with them, but eventually we convince them to follow us and check it out. So now there's a convoy of three trucks holding ten guys. We roll past to let truck two get next to the sport utility vehicle, and only a few seconds go by and the radio goes wild with them yelling, Go, go. We haul ass out of there and all agree to find a new informal stating point to park at. The rest of the night we F with each other about the descent woman watching us or waiting for one of us to walk off alone and just generally joking around. But I did notice that no one wanted to go piss by themselves. Anytime someone had to go, suddenly a few other guys chimed in too. The rational explanation is that it was some drifter in the sport utility vehicle crashing for the night, probably at least a little high, tired, and confused as if about the trucks creeping up on them, then driving off real fast. Every year, me and some buddies go into the mountains for a week of camping, hunting, and riding dirt bikes. We stay at my family cabin, which is 20 miles from the nearest city and anywhere really. One of the nights we decide to all ride up to a meadow we found on a previous ride and camp there under the stars. Now this meadow is off the beaten path. The road getting there is blocked by a fallen tree, so we know no hunters or other people can even go past this section. We ride around and get to the campsite a few miles down the road. After starting a fire and arranging our beds, we are all laying under all the stars and just looking up at the beautiful night sky. We see a few satellites and shooting stars, and after an hour or so, it gets quieter as we start to just look up and about to fall asleep. Then all of a sudden, a huge object comes floating across the sky just above the tall redwoods. I was like, guys, what the F is that? We are all just staring up as this plane comes flying over but it looked like a stealth fighter jet, and it was completely silent. Super freaky because of how close it was to the tops of the trees, and how big it was since it was that close. Also, it flew directly over us. Next morning, to add to the story, we ended up camping on a bear trail. Lots of poop, and you could tell there was a trail worn through the woods. Luckily, he didn't find a bunch of human burritos in the middle of his path at 2 a.m., The Duke of Edinburgh Award, Outdoors Expeditions Program in United Kingdom. Director at my school told me once he was out on an expedition in Papua New Guinea with five capable teenagers doing the gold award, Tuk Tier, get to meet royalty to receive the award, etc. And an ex-special heir, serviceman to help the guys. They had to get a local guide to help them through the jungle. One morning, several days into the expedition, the guide isn't there when they wake up, along with their maps and satellite phone. This was a few years ago, so no DPSs. They quickly come to terms that they are screwed. They have at best four days of supplies. It would take six days to go back the way they came. I remember the Dove director telling me it was the only time he has ever seen the special air service guy in true special air service mode. He usually fooled around a bit, 
I'm fairly sure they followed a nearby river for a day or so and found a group of local fishermen purely by chance. The fishermen took them to a more major town and they sorted themselves out from there. I can't imagine how scary it would be to wake up six days of hiking into the middle of a jungle with essentially nothing but a compass and a few days supplies. Just a note, this was quite a long time ago, before a truly strict set of rules to do with Duke of Edinburgh were established. I can't remember fully, but I think the guide's brother was badly ill. After calling the hospital with the phone, he found his brother had only a week or so to live after a sudden bad turn in the illness. He left without a clear head in the middle of the night, forgetting to take the maps out of his pack. I think the team got a special mention in the award ceremony at Buckingham Palace, and the expedition leader got some sort of award for getting them back safely. When I was three, I had my first dream that I can remember. I was in a single room, tiny house, furnished with a single round white table and a white chair. On the chair was a blue vase with a single daisy, one small square window with typical panels. Then there is an earthquake, shaking and destroying everything. I was terrified until the door rang. I answered in a tall figure in a black coat, hat and no face would be there hiding a basket of kittens. I've always loved cats, so I gladly accepted, then woke up. Had the same dream every single night until I was about 13. That dream, he didn't have a basket of kittens. He had a knife and killed me. I remember feeling it, like in my body, and after I was dead, he would murmur things to himself, and I could hear him dragging my body so my dreams would turn into getting killed by him every night, in different ways, never the same twice. Fast forward to 25. I met a shaman. His name is Ron Solar. Really interesting guy. He gave me holy water from the Nile and did a bunch of blessings and taught me how to cast him away, as he has dealt with people who experienced it before. Now 31, I haven't had a dream where I was killed, but sometimes, if I'm feeling upset, sad, vulnerable, he makes appearances in my dreams. Side note, dreams are awesome if you aren't getting killed. After speaking with several people and trying to gather a better understanding, it seems like this energy spirit, demon, whatever is it, attaches to your vulnerability. I clearly remember having my first dream the same time I was saw by a babysitter and no one believed me. The assault continued till about 11 years old. That's just my experience with it. I always feel like a fool talking about this because I know it sounds ridiculous, but I also feel a sense of fear when I think about it. My buddy is not a hunter, but spent a lot of time in the Los Padres forest looking for rock art sites, which is probably equal to, if not more difficult, than hunting deer in these parts. He's about ten years older than myself, and first told me this story when I was barely out of high school. The story struck me as a young man, and I never forgot it. One Friday, he and a buddy left from work into the local backcountry for the weekend. They were going to camp out of the truck that evening and in the morning hid out in search of another cave painting that had been eluding him. Before sunset, they pulled into a primitive campground. 
There was a group of four young dudes already at the campground, so my friends drove by, giving a nod of acknowledgement. There's only a handful of campsites, so they picked the furthest from the other group, maybe 100 yards away. While setting up camp and getting a fire going, they can hear the other dudes shooting a brake barrel pellet rifle and laughing, goofing off pretty obnoxiously. No one else shows up to the campground that night. After dark, my buddies were sitting silently around the fire and smoking a little reefer. Pretty late into the night, they were still up with the fire and could hear the other group. Then suddenly, the other group gets real quiet in the midst of their late-night ass-grab session. The two of them don't say a word to each other, but listen intently. After a short while, they can hear something sneaking through the brush between the campsites. My friend had no protection on himself besides a surefire light. The other friend only had a large stick that he'd been using to manage the fire. Without a word, they slowly backed away from the light of the flame with a little dispersion between themselves and waited for what was coming. After a few minutes, they can tell it's someone trying to be sneaky. Finally, the source of the sound slowly breaks into the light of the fire. A young man carrying a pellet rifle at the ready and following behind him is three buddies. They all appear very tense and not at all jovial like they'd been at their own site. As they come forward into my friend's campsite, he waits till they're adjacent to his companion, holding the big stick in the shadows. Then he blasts them with the surefire, holding the light directly on their faces. Everyone freezes, not a peep from anyone. The intruders are totally blinded by the light, but my friend can see his buddy beside them with the stick raised over his shoulder like he's about to hit a grand slam. They stand off in silence for what probably felt like an eternity, until one of the guys in the back of the line chokes out. Hey, we don't want any problem. No response, and the light stays fixed on them. We smelt your smoke and thought you might share some. Still nothing but a light to look at. Finally from the same dude. Okay, we'll leave then. And the three in the rear start to back out. But the good old point man stands firm, looking tough. One of his compadres says, Seaman homie, let's bounce. It's not worth it. After a few more seconds, he relents, and they all slink back into the dark. Needless to say, after the gang retreated, my friends immediately packed their shit and left the area. While I realize being unarmed and smoking reefer when you're in the backcountry may not be the wisest choice, I still think they handled the situation pretty nicely and used what they had to their maximum advantage, despite being outgunned in every way. My friend thinks those boys thought he might be asleep since him and his friend hadn't made any noise in hours. Um, regardless, those four dudes did not have good intentions. This one happened to me in the early 2010s and admittedly did not happen on the Navajo reservation, but it did take place on another reservation nearby. One night, me and a friend were chilling at his house, playing games, and decided to go out for some late-night food. Being that it was past midnight, the only option was the 24-hour McDonald's. After getting our food, we decided to just cruise around the back roads for fun. The area we were driving wasn't well known to us since we were driving on another tribe's land, but my friend had a general sense of where he was going. The road we were on led us out to the middle of nowhere. 
We finally stopped and pulled over on top of this big mesa where the road went down in a snake-like pattern. It was nighttime, like I said, but you could still see a long way off in the distance from our little vantage point, including house lights in the distance where the road led. After getting out of the car, I walked closer to the edge of this overlooked point and started howling and screaming to hear my echo. I did that for a few minutes before I walked to the very edge and looked down. I saw a light from a window just below me, close enough to where I could have thrown a stone and hit it. I distinctly remember the light looking like it was from a candle with a flickering, but definitely wasn't dim, like a candle would be. I also recall that the windowsill portion was made of stone and looked like an adobe house. Since I was higher up and at an angle, I couldn't see inside the window and I couldn't make out what the house looked like in general. All I saw was a light coming from a window. At that point, I turned to my friend and said something like, Dude, there's a house just right there, as I pointed to it. Hey. We better get out of here before they call the cops on us for screaming my friend looked over and saw the light from the window, too. He laughed and agreed, so we both got in his car and split. Nothing spooky or creepy even crossed my mind that night. Just that I may have scared someone in there. House with my screaming. A few weeks later, me and the same friend went cruising around again, but this time during the day. We visited the same area and pulled over to look at the view. I went back to the edge of the mesa and looked over, but to my surprise, there was nothing there. Not only was there no sign of the house, but a house couldn't have been built there in the first place. It was way too steep and rocky, just boulders, sand, and weeds. I relayed this info to my friend, and he looked over the edge, too. And that's when we both were like what the F did. We see that night then. My story ends years later when I met and befriended a co-worker who lived and grew up on the reservation where that Mesa Overlook was. We began trading scary stories. That guy has some crazy shit he experienced out there. And I told him about seeing the adobe house at night that wasn't there in the daytime. He laughed and said something like, Dude, you saw the witch house. I asked him to explain, and he said that the area I was in was known for being a spot that people stay away from at night. Apparently witches hang out there now and then, and there is a small adobe house on that cliffside, but it's very small, like something your average person would have to crawl to get into. He doesn't know much more than that, but says he knew plenty of stories of people seeing it lit up at night. So that's my true story about seeing a possible witch house. Just like how skinwalkers or Navajo witches, there are other similar witches for other tribes. I don't know the name given to the one I saw, but it's a cool little story to have in my pocket.